0: Cool. So hey guys, welcome to the SaaS Sessions podcast. I have two amazing guests with me here today. Uh, Morgan Ingram, who is an empowering, who is a sales expert. He runs his own show called HDR Chronicles. And you know, he empowers sales teams to become prospecting rock stars at Jay Barrows Consulting and Training. And prakar Jain, who is an Associate Director of Sales here at WhatFix and also a colleague of mine. Hey, hey, Morgan, hey prakar welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you thanks a lot
0: for hosting us. yeah, so today we're going to talk about you know th- what types of sales is you know best for any SaaS company? Uh, is it inside sales or outside sale or is it something different? right? But before you know let's let's get to know a uh, bit of our guest uh, and uh, let's start with Morgan. So you know Morgan, so how did you get into sales and you know you started as an SDR and now you're training other SDRs to become better at that job. So you know tell us a bit about your journey.
2: Yeah. So what I've figured out is no person is growing up and they're like, man, I want to be in sales. Like, I just, I, 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 I don't think, I don't think I've met a person that's been like, yo, I want to get in this. Like I have not met that person yet. Mm-hmm. So in that, obviously that's not how I started. So I actually wanted to be a sports agent. And in that, you know, I saw Jerry Maguire. I don't think I've seen that movie before. And in that it talks about being a sports agent, all that stuff. And I was like, that's me. So throughout college, through so high school, that's all I cared about. And I got to the end of my college career and I realized that wasn't it wasn't for me. Uh, they told me I had to go to law school and all this stuff I didn't wanna do, so I was like, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go into marketing and didn't get any marketing jobs and so I actually wanted to work with a marketing company but I found that the only way I could get there was by being an SDR. So I cold called the director of sales at the time, the cold call probably sounded terrible, but they let me in the interview. I don't even know how I even got there. And so now I'm there interviewing for an SDR role. I really have no idea what it's about and end up taking it. And so in that role, it was obviously setting meetings. for so Those you could context, sales development rep, setting meetings, prospecting, cold calling. And in that, I struggled in the beginning a lot. And I learned over time, as I got better and better, that there was a process for success. And in that process, it got me excited because... In sales, the more that you learn and the more that you grow, the more you can earn as a whole. And also you just become better as a person. And so in that, that's why I really have enjoyed sales so far. And that's what got me into it. And then from there, started the SDR Chronicles, which you mentioned. And that bolstered my personal brand and my career. And then that's how John Barrows, who I work for today, found me and then brought me in to be a sales trainer. Teaching on prospecting and sales development is now what I've been doing for the past year and a half, two years. So that's like my backstory. That's where I'm coming from. And a lot of stuff that I talk about today are just best practices of what I've seen, uh, what I've learned, and just mistakes that I've made across the way.
0: That's an amazing journey. I mean, you said like you d- didn't meet anyone who's, you know, who are dive right into sales and who's who knows that they are made for sales, right? Mm. So that, that's an amazing thing. And, you know, what What about you, Prakar? You know, how did you get into inside sales and now the associate director at Watfix? You know, tell us a bit about your journey as well.
1: Yeah, sure. I think Morgan has laid it out really well because it, I can't, uh, you know, contradict him right here saying that I knew that I wanted to be in sales. I yeah. actually wanted to be a digital marketeer. You know, the first job that I got into was uh, after my MBA. So I completed my MBA as a gold medalist and, you know, being to one of the you know, top two, uh, two colleges in out of India, it was more around the jazz of being with startups and I wanted to be a digital marketeer. That's how I started my journey. I joined Whatfix as the first employee. So it was just the founders. Uh, They sort of showed trust in me and my CEO, Kadim, brainwashed me into sales. And he was like, no, you're a sales guy. And I was like, no, I'm not because I think I'm good in marketing. Uh, But then, you know, his entire idea was that why don't you try this out and let's see if you like it. And, you know, this is where I am today in the journey of four and a half years in terms of, you know, growing the company from four customers to 500 plus today where 10% 10% of Fortune, 500 companies work with us, et cetera. But it's been one of a journey in terms of, I can't imagine myself today doing anything but it It, it just has yeah. to be this. And I so much agree with Morgan that I never thought I would be a sales guy. So I, I exactly. fully agree with you that nobody knows that, right?
2: No, you don't. And and, and there has to be, right? A, a, there. It's almost like you wish that you could have that as an option, like because I didn't even know until like I was like seeking it. And even today, like even being on podcasts and public speaking, I don't even want to do that either. So it just everything yeah. kind of cultivates together, and it's funny, like probably looking about it when you're like, what did you want to be when you grow up? Sales is probably the millionth thing on the on the last of the list there. Sure.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. So that, that's, that's Prakhar and Morgan guys. And, uh, so, you know, I don't want to keep my listen the listeners waiting. So, you know, let's start, uh, dive into our topic, which is, you know, inside sales versus outside sales and what should you guys do for your SaaS? So Morgan, can you first can you tell us about, you know, what's the difference between inside sales and outside sales? You know, how, how are these two different?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it starts with the super high level that outside sales is a lot easier, right? Cause you have face-to-face conversations. Right. There's, there's no one who can say like, Oh, face, face conversations. Like that's the, that's super hard. Like I can, I can tell your language. I can tell your body language. If I'm saying something off, I can always switch. Like mm-hmm. we obviously have video now with inside sales, but looking back at it, there wasn't video at some point. Right. So it was obviously a lot harder to gauge tone and, and to get people's attention. So I say, obviously outside sales, it more so leads to behaviors on body language and obviously meeting with that person face to face right? It's a different way. And Mm while your prospecting is different too, because you're at more events and things of that nature. So yeah, outside sales, face-to-face sales, obviously a lot easier. Inside sales is a lot more tough because you're dealing with everyone else who's doing inside sales, right? You're dealing with SDRs that are looking to make cold calls and emails. You're also dealing with tonality you you sometimes can't get that person on the phone right you can't you have to negotiate sometimes via email because that person doesn't want to answer your phone call so it's a little bit harder because you're dealing with multiple channels outside Mm -hmm. sales you're doing so much face to face if you have a problem it's like all right let's have a face-to-face meeting right with an inside sales it's just so much harder because of everything that's going on from the avenue standpoint so i'm not saying that it's a walk in the park without outside sales that's not what i'm saying but the distinction is that like Hey, look, I'm having face-to-face conversations and we're meeting at events versus I'm making cold calls and doing emails. And it's just a lot more different from that inside sales perspective. And also the type of people that are inside sales and outside sales is different as well, right? There's different ways you're going to go about that. The way that you're going to talk to people, conversations is different as well. So that's how I see the differences. I know obviously there'll be probably different insights across the board from different people here, but that's kind of how I see it
0: awesome and uh, anything to add there prakar i mean your your uh, I, I know that you're leading inside sales and you have done inside sales so you have anything to add in terms of that
1: No, i think i would agree with morgan you know in field sales or the outside sales you know body language plays a huge role in terms of you know just getting to know your buyer you mm-hmm. you're pitching your solution their body language clearly tells you how interested they are they're asking the right questions but if your product is not a fit you clearly see that with their body language. You give them mm-hmm. a licensing code; it clearly shows up on their face, whether it was a sticker shock or whether it's in line with their expectations. In inside mm-hmm. sales, you're, you know, completely, you know, you have video conferencing tools as well, but then a lot of times, like Morgan mentioned, in terms of SDR calling, etc., you're completely shooting in the dark, and it's definitely much harder. I see.
0: Awesome. That's interesting. So Morgan, you know, we're going to discuss about three scenarios here for three different types of SaaS. There are, you know, one SaaS is, let's say, which is just starting out. There's another SaaS who has just discovered their product market fit. And there's the third SaaS, which is, you know, they have just crossed their go-to market stage. So, you know, and we're going to talk about, you know, how inside sales and outside sales are different and, you know, which is better at what stage of what scenario of these SaaS companies. So, you know, let's start with a company who is just a SaaS company, which has just started out. So, you know, what, what should they go with? You know, what, what's their best thing to do? In, is there inside sales or is there outside sales?
2: I have no idea, <laughs> and this, but this is why, because I don't know, I don't know who you're targeting. Right. So obviously if I have a contextual conversation with someone, they're like, Hey, this is our ICP. This is our Mm -hmm. ACV. This is where we're looking to grow. Then I can be like, I can give you the exact answer. But because there's so many people probably listening on this podcast right now, I don't have the exact answer. I'll give you a couple insights on what I would do. Right. So Mm -hmm. if let's say if I have a company that has what, three to five month sales cycle, most likely I might not be doing an outside sales, right? Cause if you think of outside sales, they probably mm-hmm. have longer sales cycles, like eight to 12 months. That means that they probably have to continuously meet with that person to make sure they can accelerate that deal. If it's three mm-hmm. to five months or it's a 90 to 120 days, it's you're you're actually wasting money by sending people to do outside sales <laughs> because your company is growing and you're not uh-huh. and you're not even in that enterprise realm yet. So you're mm-hmm. actually more so focused on an S&B mid market model for success. So in that, I would say you're really going to be focusing on inside sales mostly first. And if I'm just starting out from that sales perspective, I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to look at other competitors that are in the space, and then I just go after their clients. That's what I would do, honestly. I'd create a list, go look at their clients, look at their customer portfolios, and then i create a list off that in LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and then I would start running and seeing who has different entry points, are they, is are their client, is that customer meeting their expectations, right? And then move from there. Um, and then it moves, and then also, if they have a product market fit, then they probably have some customers, then you probably have good a baseline understanding. And then at that point, you're probably going to probably get some people who are outside sales. But again, it depends on how up market you're trying to go and also your sales right. cycle length. And then also that last one you mentioned is, what was that last question you asked there?
0: Uh, for, for a company who is into, you know, uh, a growth market stage, that, that's the scenario.
2: Yeah. Okay, Thursday night, the growth stage. Okay, cool. So, at yeah. that point, that's probably where you probably will have some people who are remote, and I consider them outside sales at this point because they're pretty mm-hmm. much on their own. Um, and they pretty much have probably the budget. They probably got hired in from an experience standpoint, and they have the budget to go meet these people face to face, which is if I'm on mm-hmm. a remote rep, that's what I would do. Because uh, essentially, like, I'm a full sales cycle rep and I do a lot of inside sales, but I still have an option mm-hmm. to do remote. Like I have the option to go meet people face to face, which we all Mm -hmm. know if you meet someone face to face, that conversation is a lot easier than that inside sales. that we talked about the beginning, so I know that was a broke those answers down, but from a contextual standpoint, it's very hard for me to answer that question without understanding where they're trying to go, because there could be a company that's like starting out and they're like, we only want to go after enterprise. Then they Mm -hmm. probably only have outside reps maybe. Right. So it, it all depends. Yeah.
0: Right. And let's let's uh, let's say you know in in this thing, let's give this thing a more context. So for example, you know, Slack just did their IPO, right? So you yeah. know, uh, just just take Slack as an example. You know, Slack uh, as a SaaS example for this scenario. So you know, when when they were just starting out, so you know, I, I think they did a lot of uh, a lot of outside sales is what I've heard of and what I've read of. You know, they were going out in companies and. The, the words, uh, like the marketing was done a lot of word uh, through word of mouth, and you know, so what what would have been you know the best case for Slack in in terms of you know uh, inside sale versus outside sale, a tool like Slack. It's hard to tell you
2: that because that was the ipo so they did the right thing. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, I know. So I don't no, I don't know. I don't
2: know what else advice I could give Slack. Obviously they did well, right?
0: <laughs> no, but you know, let's let's take uh, a two like Slack into consideration. You know, what yeah. what if you know, might never know they if they had done inside sales and you know they might have done IPO much sooner. You know, that that might have been the case too.
2: Yeah. So I mean, I know that they've just now been developing inside sales. I mean, in that model, what they did is a lot of it was word of mouth, from what my understanding mm-hmm. was. And they did a ton of great brand marketing. So I think with that such a good brand marketing, yeah. they could have inserted inside sales in a different way. Like if I mm-hmm. again I don't know their model to a T. So obviously my advice is just based on what I'm seeing from the outside. But right. from my understanding, it would have been probably a little bit interesting if they would have done maybe an earlier model, because they're probably getting a ton of inbound from word of mouth, but if they would have done that SDR, BDR model and just fed outside reps and just like telling them where to go and then Mm -hmm. those outside reps have their territories and they just make those rounds on the face-to-face basis, I think that would have been very unique and interesting if they didn't do that or they did, cool, but I think that would be interesting if they had, okay, we're having SDR, BDRs outside and inside sales teams, right? So SDR, Mm -hmm. BDRs go to events and the marketing teams with them. Inside sales team, they do their regular calls and emails. And then all the other reps are just outside sales. reps, so just meeting people on site and then just amplifying on top of that. I think that would be an interesting model if they didn't do that or did do it. But I think that'd be pretty cool.
0: Awesome. And, you know, I agree with the point that, you know, you cannot determine, uh, you know, what a SaaS should do in whatever stage they are without knowing a lot of uh, their background, yeah. you know, niche, what's their revenue, what's their sales cycle and, you know, what what segment they're targeting, you know, but still, Prakhar, I'd like to know from your perspective, you know, what what should a SaaS company in these three stages would have done, you know, depending on whatever niche they are, or, you know, from your experience, what would you say?
1: right I, I think a large bit of that has been covered by morgan already but you know mm-hmm. bringing more contextuality by i'd look at two things uh, you know one is the sort of product you have if it's a product-led growth uh, model that the company wishes to achieve with somebody like a Slack or this conferencing system that we're using right now zoom right so these companies start all in you know basically uh, you know an organization where a group of people start using it and the word of mouth what morgan rightly highlighted is the one mm-hmm. that is contagious which Actually, takes it across teams and then turns it into an enterprise sort of a deal. So I think mm-hmm. in these sort of cases, you know, it completely depends. I think uh, a lot depends on the product. Uh, a lot depends on the sales cycle, of course. Because if you have mm-hmm. a low ticket size product at $99, you can never afford an outside team, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, an outside sales team is going to cost you much higher budget. Um, they're going to be, you know, expensing <laughs> large amounts on their uh, lunch and right. learn sessions, etc., which that sort of price point for a product you'll never be able to afford as a company and grow. So that's important. I think also what is important is what industry are you selling to and the buyer persona are you selling to? So in terms of you know if you're selling to technology companies in general, uh, you know in uh, you know companies like Amazon, Facebook, and you're in that space, it's very different when you compare it to a manufacturing company where are, you know some other companies are more traditional. And then also depends on if you're selling it to an IT buyer versus a functional buyer. Who's a business person, right? So, you know, a lot of uh, factors actually could change the entire game of, uh, you know, what model may work. I think Morgan rightly no. highlighted, uh, you know, the advice that he suggested what, of what Slack could have ideally done. I would go with that as well. And in fact, that's exactly what we do today at WhatFix as well, right? It's a hybrid model. So we have a mix of inside sales versus outside sales. So you know your SDRs open up the conversations. You probably do some of these sessions remote, and then if there's a requirement, then you add that face-to-face to it as well to make it more appealing. So awesome. you know, completely from one stage to another is what I would say.
0: Awesome. And then, you know, Morgan, like, just like Prakhar highlighted that, you know, there should there's a good uh, balance between inside sales and outside sales that a company is doing. Like, you know, as they're growing, uh, they should have that same balance grow as well, right? One tip, uh, one weight, one weights the other one over, then, you know, it can fall apart, I guess. So, you know, how, how, how do you think, you know, a company should balance, you know, what are the factors that a company should look at when they're, you know, balancing inside and outside sales, let you know?
2: I would say, ultimately, I think it goes back to the factors that we talked about, is Mm -hmm. what are the expectations as a whole? So Mm -hmm. if they've gotten a C-round funding, how fast is revenue looking to grow, right? right? What's the SDR to AE model? Is it a 1.25 to 1? Is it a 2 to 1? Whatever that is. So Mm -hmm. I think when growing it, I think it's the expectations of who do we want to meet? And then mapping out how many... Like it's reverse engineering, like the equation of, okay, how many meetings do we need to get, or how many business do we need to close from an outside sales perspective? And then we need Mm -hmm. to map how many reps are to that. So Mm -hmm. that would be my advice there is like come up with a formula of like what the revenue we're trying to hit. Okay, how many outside sales reps need to happen for that? Then that's Mm -hmm. when you should program that
0: as well. Awesome. Awesome. And you know, what's your take on this, Prakar? You know, I mean you've been doing a great thing at Swatfix and you know, how how is Swatfix balancing, you know, inside sales and outside sales?
1: Yeah, from from our perspective, you know, I think Morgan stated this earlier as well that, you know, until it's a requirement of a must-have face to face, like, you know, some really large ticket sizes are being sold in with inside sales model itself mm-hmm. where we have pitched to customers that we would like to meet you, but because the entire world and the ecosystem yeah. is moving towards inside sales, mm-hmm. nobody really wants to meet you because they want to save you some travel time, plus they want to save themselves some time as well. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, in an enterprise sale when you're making, you know, it's not that you're just talking to one stakeholder. You're probably talking to a team who is spread across the entire nation or probably globally. Mm-hmm. Now, anyway, if you go and meet a couple of folks, it's not going to influence the other four because they're anyway not there. So, you know, tying those things together and uh, sort of maintaining a balance in terms of just looking at, you know, when you're actually analyzing a deal or uh, when SaaS companies are actually selling, you have to look at which particular deals do require a face-to-face touch in terms of, uh, you know, the organization itself. How do they typically make purchases, et cetera. And that I think is a key component in terms of if you want to meet or not. So I don't want to take names here because, you know, it's a podcast where our listeners are viewing. So any company yeah. calling them conservative won't be right on my path. But you can easily figure out who are some of the traditional buyers versus modern buyers.
0: Awesome. And you know, uh, so Prakar, you know, I this, this, this question which is coming to me, which is like, you know, what are some problems which are faced, you know, by inside sales and what are some problems which are faced by the outside sales? I mean, you you might have, you have done both. So you might know, you know, what are the typical problems which are faced?
1: Yeah, well, uh, insight sales, I think the biggest one is, you know, you being ghosted, uh, you did everything mm-hmm. right, you got that experiment, you think you were top notch, your product demonstration mm-hmm. was awesome, uh, hit the spot and then nothing, you know, you just mm-hmm. hear nothing from the and You can't do much about it, you're trying to call, you don't want to be a pest as well, so you're trying to find that perfect yep. borderline between being persistent but not being a pain and mm-hmm. in that attempt of doing that, a lot of times you get ghosted. I think in outside sales, you know, the worst that has happened to me is that uh, I was on a run once where I was covering six cities in eight days and it was on the East Coast. And a couple of my meetings, one in New Jersey, another one is in D.C. And these two were, you know, a day and the next day. So right after, both of them get canceled because of different reasons. So you know, a lot of time and, uh, you know, money can actually get wasted when you're on the run.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: you know, these things definitely arise because this happens in inside sales as well, but doesn't hurt you so much because one prospect cancels the meeting, you go on to another, you pick up the phone and start again, right? In a face-to-face sort of scenario, you can't unfortunately do that because your entire plan or the setup of the entire trip is now set up in a particular place. So yeah, that could happen. I mean Top two things that I could probably think of.
0: Awesome. So Morgan, this makes me think of two scenarios, okay? One in inside and one in outside sales. So in inside sales, you know, the SDR is making calls throughout his day, right? And, you know, he makes like, say, 20, 25, 30 calls and, you know, no one picks up or there's like, no one shows up. But, you know, then then there's that 31st call, you know, and then he, by, by the In all these 30 calls, he's already frustrated and you know, he's in some different mindset and he's seeing a pattern that no one is picking up and you know, the 31st caller picks up and you know, so how should an SDR, you know, tackle this, you know, because he's in some different mentality and I'm sure, you know, he's been disheartened probably or you know, he's uh, he's just gone crazy that, you know, 30 of my calls wasn't picked up and you know, the 31st one did. So, you know, how should an SDR tackle this scenario? I mean, you're, yeah, yeah. I think you're the best person to uh, answer.
1: <laughs> so, Sunil, first of all, he's taken aback. Oh my God, he picked up. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: I, when I first started as a rep, I was the same way. I mean, I, I, uh, I did not like cold calling at all. It's kind of funny because like the whole thing was just like, all right, no one's answering the phone. Like, why am I making cold calls? This is a waste of time. <laughs> so yeah, I actually call that the value vomit is what I call it Mm -hmm. because what ends up happening is you finally get someone on the phone. You're not prepared. You say some Mm -hmm. random thing that that you learned during training. And then now you can't get the meeting because that person was like, I don't know Mm -hmm. what you said. The best way to prepare (laughs) for that is to make sure that you have a formula in place. A lot of people don't have a process in place. They just are like treating it as an event. So like, I got to make cold calls today. So hopefully someone or no one answers and whatever I say, I hope they like so I can get a meeting. That's the worst way to go about it. So the way to set yourself up for success is, one, practice cold calling with your other coworkers, reps, leaders. It doesn't matter. That's going to actually prepare you to be on this call because you got to think about it. Just like with anything, people practice to get good at things. People don't just show up. Like I'll use cricket. It's a great example, right? People don't just go out and just play cricket, and they're amazing. They practice before they go get on the field. So why aren't we doing the same thing with cold calls?
0: Awesome.
2: Yeah. And so you have to have that cold call with that rep in order mm-hmm. to be successful to be, to make sure you don't value vomit. And also at the same time, you got to come with the process and formula. Like people go to cricket. They know this is how I, I'm going to, how am I going to pitch? This is how I'm going to hit. And most people don't know once they get up to the plate of actually getting a prospect on the phone, they don't know what they're going to say. That's like someone going to the cricket and be like, I don't, well, I, don't, I forgot how to hit. Like, okay. That's that person's not going to be on the team very long. Mm-hmm. The same thing has to be a cold call. You got to figure out what's your intro What's your attention grammar, your value prop, and then also also to him, what is that close statement you have to make? So in right. that, that's what's gonna make you more effective, and that's how you not do the, oh my gosh, someone I got on the phone today. You're always prepared, because right. you know what you need to say.
0: <laughs> awesome. And you know, the second scenario which comes to me is, you know, from from Prakash' experience, you know, which he mentioned just right now. So, you know, let's say you're into outbound sales, and you know, you're traveling from the west coast to the east coast for a meeting, and you're, you're travel there, you arrive at the east coast, let's say New York, and you know you found out that the meeting is cancelled for due to some emergency for any reason. So you know how how do and how do a, like you know the outside sales guy you know handle this scenario because he's already traveled you know from west coast to east coast. He spent time, he spent money there, and then he has to travel back yep. again to the west coast. So you know how how should a sales guy handle this scenario?
2: I've dealt I've dealt with this scenario before, so, <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I mean I, all the same things. Yeah, I had had a meeting set. So here's the thing: if you, this is important, and I got this piece of advice because every time I think about it now, it makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. don't just set one meeting and then go for that just one meeting. Like, Mm -hmm. set multiple things in place because if one thing falls off, at least you're like, okay, cool, I got something else to do. Mm -hmm. So that's the precedent. Like, don't be like, I'm gonna come from San Francisco to New York for one meeting. Like, make sure that you (laughs) set even if it's like. Hanging out with a friend, or maybe it's a cl- whatever. You just set that up. So that's my whole ethos, and so that goes into the answer to the question, which is how do I set? How do I make sure that doesn't? How do I make sure that doesn't affect me? I set other meetings in place. So I tell people, hey, I'm gonna be in this area, and maybe it's a client. Maybe it's not even a, a person that's gonna be a bit by business for me. It's someone that already has my business. So me with mm-hmm. that client say, hey, how is the product going? How's the solution going? Right, and then maybe mm-hmm. asking for maybe a referral or one or two in that area. So. Hey, you might have missed out on that big ticket meeting, but now you met with the client and they gave you two other people to meet with maybe that same day, maybe during that lunch that you meet with them, they bring two other people that are now prospects. So don't just lean in and be like, I'm going to go here for this one meeting, find other mm-hmm. meetings that stack up with that. So you maximize your time because you're already going there. You might as well meet with other people there as well. And then also just look at your LinkedIn network or whatever you have and see who else is going to be in the area and reach out to them. Maybe you haven't connected with somebody. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's someone else in the area that's in your sales role and you can maybe get quick lunch with them, best practices that then lead into right another conversation and they actually can refer you to someone else. So Mm -hmm. maximize your time when you're somewhere. Um, That's how I make sure to do that. But let's say for the scenario that I scheduled nothing right. And Mm -hmm. And I don't have any meetings and that was my only meeting. That's when you just need to go in places where you can network with people. Find out maybe, is there an event that day? Is there somewhere else you can go? Is there someone else you can talk to, email real quick, go to their office and just maybe they can show you around and maybe you can meet with someone. Just be very adaptable in situations and make adjustments. Don't be tied to your schedule. And if it all falls, then just you falter. Like be adjustable in the process.
0: Awesome. And, you know, that that's kind of bring us to the end of this Episode, but you know, one there's one last thing, you know, I I'd like to ask both of you. You know, let's say you, you both are, you know, amazing SDRs as well. So, you know, what's what's your first line when you pick up, you know, when someone picks up, what's the first line that you mentioned? Like you know, apart like something cool.
2: So I do simcom Bob. Hi, Bob. Thanks for talking. Thanks for taking my call, give a few moments. I leave a curiosity, uh, that I don't lead with my name. So in that, the innate human nature is to respond with who are you and in them responding with who are you, then I can dive into that and like really talk about the stuff that I want to talk to them about. So by doing that, it sets me up for success to do my value prop.
0: Awesome. And what about you, Prakar? Is there any trick that you follow? Or... Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. In, any trick that you follow can only last so long, I feel, because, you know, it's picked <laughs> up by a lot of folks. and is right. You have to keep coming up with new ones. I think uh, one, one of the ones I can think of that has always worked a lot for me is because you know, I used to get a lot of cold calls, so I could relate. Uh, I would just go with, hey, thanks Chris, uh, thanks for taking my call and you weren't expecting my call, but I just need a minute of your time to talk about something very interesting. Just something on those lines. Yep. You know, be more human in the way to just tell them, hey, you weren't expecting my call. So they know mm-hmm. it's a cold call, it obviously is, and they'll leave from there. So usually, uh, you know, people respond. Sometimes I hear, hear a giggle uh, and, you know, it just, you know, lightens the mood and then I can take it forward from there. But yeah, it's been very mixed to be honest.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's that's amazing, guys. I mean, that this this has been a very insightful conversation with both of you. Uh, thanks a lot, Morgan, for taking time and thanks a lot for doing this. Thanks a lot, Prakar, as well. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Thanks a lot, Sunil. Oh. Pleasure guys.
0: Awesome. Peace out. Take care. Yeah.